0: Welcome back to another episode of Full Time Football In a weekend where Celtic Won their thirty first cup tie in a row To see themselves through to the Scottish Cup final And Rangers sit 9 points Top of the league after a 1-0 victory Over Ali's team called Marnock Ali and Torres Join me
1: today, how are you feeling boys? Not too bad mate
2: I'm feeling fantastic I'm also a wee bit Starstruck, tough after your appearance on Go Radio this evening You can't actually see it because we've been told off by uh, truffles no, no to use cameras anymore uh, But if the cameras were on you would see that I'm actually quite uh, starstruck here To be in your uh, wonderful presence So it really is an honour and a privilege, Toph, to be here with you After that <laughs> huge moment in your career I hope you don't forget about it too quickly uh, my, my five
0: seconds are blind light there Fantastic It was one uh, of the best experiences Do I, do
2: you I, do to I, do I talk the listener through Just before we get started Do you want to talk the listener through what happened So wait, when did you find out you were going on Was it a case of right your own <laughs> and, uh, and then you had to kind of put on your costume And your, your wig and that And get on the telly or the radio Or what happened
0: The guy just messaged me and was like Here mate you're a handsome bastard You should get on this radio programme And I said what's the point in that Because you can't see my face And he was like I was kidding Just come on and talk but
2: really <laughs> it? Boy did you dirty yeah, I has uh, my dirty. Aye, well, these these things happen in, in football, tough. But see, the thing is, character building, and it's only going to be good for Torres and I to learn from you after that wonderful experience. The
0: the season, the seasoned pro over here. Yeah, uh, I've oh, made my big
2: experience. Exactly, mate. The only way is up, baby.
0: Hey, right, also in the news this week, we've got two big dirty COVID spreading bastards, Jordan Jones and George Edmondson.
2: Ooh, that's very on brand for Jordan Jones. Do uh, you
0: know what? Jordan Jones will be back at Kelly in January. He will not be
2: anywhere near Rugby <laughs> Park. Thank you very much. Uh, the they'll they'll take they'll do a COVID test and they'll find all sorts of other nasty things in there. Uh, maybe uh, I would say maybe they won't. I'll cover my back there legally. Uh, maybe they won't find anything nasty in there. No, I don't, I wouldn't take him back at Kelly. In all honesty, really, I don't think. I think his attitude was an issue. When he left, toff, you were maybe one of the ones who was laughing at the time when Jordan Jones, still under contract at Kilmarnock, signed the pre-contract at Rangers and tweeted, "Eh, can't wait to get started, hashtag we are the people. And that really rankled Kilmarnock fans up the wrong way. Understandably, I was absolutely fizzing. I think he only played a handful of games after that. One of the games was that game at Rugby Park when Jones scored and we won eh, January time. Um, But listen, his attitude's always been an issue. He came up from, was it Redcar he's from, isn't it? Um Came up to Kilmarnock, there were issues there. Wee Clark rather than Steve Clark brought him up to Kilmarnock and there were, there were issues there. He, he really uh, had a lot of learning to do. Apparently didn't know how to put a washing on and stuff. He was just an absolute roaster, an absolute warmer, I think the term for him. Uh, and, then, and then there was a transformation. I think Steve Clark really got the best out of him or as much as you can get out of an absolute idiot. Um, and then he repaid Steve Clark by running off to Ibrooks at the first opportunity when anyone with any knowledge of football could tell you that it was only going to end in uh, Jordan Jones crying in a corner uh, or leaving Ibrox with, with his tail between his legs because he's an absolute joke. He's also, other than his pace, not a very good football player, uh, quite aside from all his antics off the park and... I don't know what your opinion is of it, but you've been quite uh, quite strong in your condemnation on there. You have put it in no uncertain words in your intro, but honestly, um, I, I, attitude's so important in the modern game of football, in any profession, um, particularly in the modern day. It's always been important, but particularly now with footballers when there's so much media scrutiny. Did he honestly think, if he went to that party and was at Devonshire Gardens allegedly, that... Um, anything other than him being spotted and subsequently booted out the door at Ibrox was going to come off that absolutely idiotic. I don't know what's more idiotic, the fact he went to the party or the fact that he quite clearly thought he would get away with it. Um, ridiculous. Do you think that?
0: Do you know what? I, my mind's just wandered about a million times today. But do you think both of them were left out the squad on Sunday? Do you think like they just just didn't care? They like just thought, I oh, fuck, that
2: something getting a game at a team. Quite clearly, quite clearly. I think Jones has always had, I've said he's always had an attitude problem, and when the going's good, then by all means, Jones is there. But it's just a daft wee boy, is the right turn of phrase for Jordan Jones. Clearly there is talent in there, right? Absolutely talent in there. Um, but when your decision-making is so off, your ability to just read the room is so skewed you're not you're not going to make it as a football player he's also getting on a bit now as well you know he's what 24, 25 he's not you know early 20s Um, still has time to in the same way that you could say that you know uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden perhaps have time to uh, salvage their situations after their antics in Iceland's, um with the two females or allegedly with the two females Um. Jordan Jones doesn't have that time. He also isn't anywhere near as talented as Greenwood or uh, Foden. And you're just like, Jordan, what? You're already out of favour. This was only going to be the final uh, nail in your miserable little coffin.
0: So did you think when Jordan Jones went to the Angels, you didn't think he had the potential to be a starter?
2: No, absolutely not. Um, the move baffled me, in all honest, tough. I was—I I, don't get me wrong—I like Jones at Kilmarnock but he had more yellow cards than goals. Um, I'm pretty sure over his full time at, a, at a Rugby Park. Don't quote me on that. But I'm pretty sure that was the case. And even his as assists for someone who is seen to be a creative player. They weren't great. He was a player who worked for Kamarnock because he got his yard to, he got his yards up the park. Much the same way that like you know, you, you like the rugby boys who can carry up the, the pitch and get you territory. I mean, I don't know much about rugby, but I think that's how rugby goes. Anyway, Jordan Jones got got a team like Kamarnock up the park and got the ball in better areas and took the pressure off the defence when you were under the cosh. Rangers don't really need that. Rangers Rangers need boys who are capable of breaking a team down. Jones weakest performances were always against teams that would maybe sit in against a bit more, the likes of Hamilton for example Um, so you could tell just based on his style of play and Rangers style of play that he was maybe only ever going to be there as a, not even a luxury player because that implies he was quite good and he, and he isn't really um, but it was never going to work I don't think and, and, and that opinion that initial opinion that has just been vindicated by his performances as sporadic as they've been, they've been you know, sufficient evidence to, to confirm that he's not the Rangers quality. And also the fact that his off the field antics have just compounded that dreadful and utterly uninspiring form.
0: Yeah, I think they both of them are just clowns. I think um Jordan Jones obviously has he's had several chances, and now he seemed like he was he never really got a move in the summer. I think Rangers were trying to get rid of him but never seemed to happen in Gerard kind of gave my second chance and he scored against Motherwell. I think he came on against um, William. He had a good performance, but mm-hmm. is just, that, that's just that's undone there for Rangers. I don't think he'll ever wear the Rangers top again. Mm-hmm. George Edmondson, I, I think that's a player that I like. George Edmondson, last season, uh, he filled in with Connor Goldson at the end of the year, and I thought he was brilliant, especially in Europe. I thought he was a brilliant player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rangers fans were calling in the fridge. No. I he's someone that had a future at Rangers in some way. I don't think he's a a, a starter, but he's definitely a good part of in your squad. So, I'd be interested to see what happens with him because I do think Rangers will quite easily get rid of Jordan Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure some team down in England will take him on loan or something, but it'd be interesting to see what they do with George Edmondson. Obviously, they've suspended both players for two weeks, but they're uh, just clowns.
2: Yeah. The thing is, they'll, they'll, they'll easily be able to, or I would think they would be fairly um, easily able to get rid of Jones and Edmondson for breach of contract, you know, gross misconduct. I would, I would say that attending a party in the middle of a quasi-lockdown against a backdrop of a global pandemic would quite easily qualify as gross misconduct on the part of both players. So if they do want to go down that route, is there for them. I think I hear what you're saying, Toff. I think Edmondson's maybe a player they're maybe willing to give a bit more time to because he isn't as much of an idiot as Jones. And he is actually probably um, a better player and has more potential to develop than Jones. Jones is done, I think, at the top level. I think we'll see him turning up non-league. But his attitude time and time again has cropped up as an issue. And it's as if... I mean, you see, you can instill a degree of discipline, but when you have a boy who's just so um, unwilling, quite clearly, to kind of get on the straight and narrow and get his head down and focus on his playing um, product, I I think we'll just see him slip further and further and further down the the football pyramid, which is a shame because it gave Kilmarnock fans some brilliant memories and it ended really bitterly, really sourly. Um, Still a sour taste in the mouth from that, in all honesty. But you don't like to see football players who have potential, who can spark and excite, even if they're not consistent. You don't like to see those players um, slip down the football pyramid. But Jones's attitude, his mentality, and his approach generally really has put him in this, you know, unenviable predicament.
0: Aye, and on that note, we'll move on for the two clowns and move a couple of days back to last Thursday night in the Europa League where. Both Celtic and Rangers, I thought, got two positive results. We'll start mm-hmm. with your team, Torres. Um, Celtic drew two <clears> each to Lille and France went two nil half up at half time and conceded two goals in the second half. Is that a good point for Celtic when you look back?
1: Looking back, yes. At the time, I was fucking fizzing. But obviously, being two kind of nil up, you you kind of hope and expect to see out the game, but. I think we are going off injured, I think that's what kind of undone us, it unsettled the back four, obviously we changed our back three with Welsh coming on as well, we beat on and it just, it was two easy goals that we conceded, I think Ryan Christie switched off at the back post at a corner and can you mind what the second goal was like to be honest? It, exactly
2: was a, long ago. it was a it was a swivelling turn in the box from the boy Coney um, and it took a slight deflection. Yeah, Shane Duffy again. I don't I don't you can really blame him for that one, but yeah. Aye, see.
1: before the game, I would have bit your hand off at a draw, but given the circumstances, I'm a bit disappointed. But letting, me, letting the dust yeah. letting the dust settle is a good point.
0: Absolutely, and do you think? you can accept that as he's came up against a good team because in the second half when Lee brought on a few uh, substitutes I think you mentioned in the chat that they didn't start a lot of their, their regular players but
2: uh-huh. that
0: little team that came out of the second half was ferocious going forward like they just they had so many attempts they weren't very clinical but they did have so many attempts and uh, it just looked like Celtic same old Celtic for the last couple of weeks like they're struggling to see out games Um what do you think about that Torres? Do you think it was just like the fact that they struggled to suit the game or do you think it was just the game up against a good side?
1: I think the just obviously a pretty good side. They're very good attacking but on a few occasions in the second half you could have even got at defensively a bit. I think probably to do with Jose Font no being in the team because I think mm-hmm. we're talking about the two, the back, two centre halves Well, I think it was an unchanged partnership for the most of the season up until that game on pretty sure. Yeah. So obviously when you disrupt a partnership like that it can open up defensive gaps and I think that's what we've seen last Thursday. Yeah. I thought
0: they were very vulnerable defensively. I thought um mm-hmm. there was a few occasions there, you know, so obviously could get his hat trigger if he pulled the trigger earlier and there was an occasion where they picked up the ball about the halfway line and just travels thirty yards and they were terrified to make a tackle. So
2: yeah, I think obviously you touched on it there Toph, what I'd said in the group chat about how Lille had obviously they'd rested Font, they rested Renato Sanchez they'd rested Burak Yilmaz and arguably you could say that that's the spine of that team there, that they'd rested Mike Magnon and, and Nets who's obviously been part of the French international team in the recent international break um, he was obviously still there but they, they took out three really important players uh, and it's I suppose uh, a reflection of the fact that we obviously have been focusing more on the league, but even allowing for those changes that they made, I think that's a fantastic point for Celtic um, away at We'll Bear in mind that, you know, they're, they're kind of neck and neck. They drew with Lyon on at the weekend, but they're still neck and neck, relatively speaking, with PSG. If you'd said to Celtic fans before the game that you would draw 2-0, they would take it. And I think even at half time. Um, Celtic fans, albeit they were up 2-0 but given how games in recent weeks had gone and given how there perhaps were issues with confidence I think a lot of Celtic fans probably would have even taken 2-2 albeit perhaps slightly begrudgingly but 2-2 is a fantastic result it means that Celtic now can go into the games with Sparta-Prague knowing that if they get 6 points out of 6 and that's a big ask but I think it is doable they then have Lille at home and that game against Lille at home I think, will be the decider in terms of who finishes behind AC Milan. I would expect AC Milan to probably do enough against Lille over both games to win both of those games. But again, you know, football throws up small surprises here and there. So we could see Lille maybe pick up a point or maybe even three over those two games. But I think if Celtic can beat Sparta-Prague both games um, and then pick up the win at Parkhead against Lille, which they, they'll take confidence from that first half. And Lennon will look at where they went wrong in the second half but um, I think it's there for Celtic to go on and get out of this group which if you'd said to the Celtic fans after that first half at Parkhead against AC Milan that you know what, it's, it's, it's going to turn around it's going to be looking a lot more optimistic and outlook, um, a lot of Celtic fans would have said no chance, um, even the most optimistic of Celtic fans but they've shown that they're still a very good team in Europe with that first half in particular against Leo and I think they have quite a good chance of making it out of the group stages now.
0: Torres, what did you think of um, the ass injury? Do you think he was injured or do you think he just wanted to put Bain Uh,
1: I don't know. It's one of the ones, obviously. He took a solution by oaks of off Duffy in the Milan game. So it could be he did have a kind of niggly issue but I think, to be honest, it's more to do with getting him out the firing line right now. And obviously, Baines came in and he's had a very good performance, I think, against Lille. Saved a penalty and made a good few saves. So, to mm-hmm. be honest, I think Baines took his chance and he's probably wrestled the number one jersey off. Barker, as for now.
2: No, but Bukhar that, eye. I was just I was just about to hit with some parter there, but you've just interrupted me, Tosh. I'm just going <laughs> to slither back into my shell. Unless you want you want, you want me to, do you want me to go ahead with it or or You, I, want,
0: you want, want me
2: to set you up for it again? Right, Can we, like truffles. You're going to need to do some post uh, podcast recording uh, editing to make this sound slick. Right, three, two, one, set us up again. Put me on a plate like a Jeremy Frank Pong cross. I don't even
0: know what we
2: said. Somebody remember. said. Somebody said. <laughs> Somebody said Bain did well. He came in when he was given his chance off a bar cast, and I was sat there like that. Nobody cared who I was until I saved Jonathan David's penalty. I know it's rubbish patter, and it's uh, it's like your dad after a few beers uh, in a Monday morning. But um, I think he did well to, to 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 save that. But I think it's more down to the fact that Jonathan David is really short of confidence. I know that on the group chat, I think it was Ed was saying, "Oh, hope you kept your receipt wheel for Jonathan David." I think that's a wee bit harsh to be honest, but he, he has struggled and to be honest, I, I wasn't terribly surprised to see him miss it, but don't get away from Scott Bain um, he nearly did it himself by dropping that one, an absolute clanger that he got away with just after it, but still, big penalty save and a big European night which could well prove a crucial moment for Celtic in the long run uh, It
0: was a big penalty save, but it was absolutely nowhere near a penalty anyway with the tackle being outside I the know.
2: box, but
0: um, funny enough, I don't think if uh, Lille obviously signed Jonathan Davis I don't think if they'd got Morelos then Morelos would have scored that penalty either so no matter how they signed, it didn't really matter too much yeah. um, AC Milan 3 Sparta Prague 0 no. so Torres would you agree with Ali that you've got to go and get 6 points off uh, Prague next 2 games
1: aye because you can only really see Milan winning Milan are flying right now obviously we are unbeaten in League 1 but a league 1 to be French but you can only really see AC Milan winning the two games. I think they've just got too much for Lille anyway, across both legs.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's one of the ones you just want somebody to run away with a group and just kind of scrape in that second best, isn't
1: it? Absolutely. Uh, it's that way that, where they, obviously, not saying that it would be impossible to get a result at the San Siro, but it's obviously hard ask.
2: Absolutely.
0: Now moving on to the the better team in Glasgow, um, Rangers Perfect. won. Like post that now? <laughs> uh, BSC Glasgow.
1: Worst,
0: probably the worst game of football you've ever had to watch this year for Rangers. If anybody watched it, it was absolutely lacking quality. Uh, just, it's just. That oh, was just miserable to watch. I don't even know how to talk up this game.
2: See, see, like, see, going into the game, I was already in like quite a stinking mood, right? And I thought, oh, maybe the football cheer me up. I came out the game and I was at uh, why the feck did I actually turn that game on? It put me in such a an absolutely abhorrent mood. Um, but see, at the end of the day, if Rangers can grind out one 0 wins against teams like like Poznan, who you know looks fairly erratic going forward against Benfica, scored two goals in that one. Um, you know, that's another really good clean sheet. It's a well-managed win. It's good game management. gerard has gone in there. He's he's told his team exactly what he needed to do. The game plan, I think, was... Well, I'm assuming the game plan was executed to perfection. The goal was just so Rangers, wasn't it? This The cross comes in and Mirela supplies the finishing touch. Excellent cross from Baris. It's, by the way, what a player he is uh, these days. Um, and see, at the end of the day, I mean, as a neutral watching it, it was fairly guff, and you're even saying that as a Rangers fan, tough that it was it was guff. But it doesn't matter how you win it. Uh, as far as Steven Gerrard's concerned, internally I'm sure, externally you say, oh, maybe we didn't play to our strengths or whatever. But behind closed doors, he'll be uh, chuffed, I'm sure, with the fact that they they've now got six points out of six, and the fact that that group is looking like Rangers and Benfica could potentially run away with it, with uh, Stanley Age and Poison at risk of being cut adrift which would suit Rangers to a tee.
0: Aye, Jordan's not on tonight but uh, I was texting Jordan during the game, as you usually do and we're just basically saying this is boring, blah blah. Uh, we're both kind of calling for a sub I said Jermaine Defoe, he said Morelos and I've been quite critical of Morelos in recent weeks on here but it was just—it's just typical Rangers. When Rangers don't play well, Morelos can turn up. But it seems when Rangers are playing well, he just it's overshadowed. and he's just, He just—it just looks uninterested. But that's the Morelos that Rangers need. That's the kind of performance Rangers just need if they want to try and get anywhere in Europe this year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I just hope Morelos starts to pick up form from it. Yeah. Um, Benfica won three now. I think against Standard Ledge as well. Yeah. Going into the double header against Benfica. Phew, do you see Rangers picking up many
2: points in these games, Ali? Uh, so t- I enjoy Portuguese football. I mean, I enjoy most European football, but I do have a wee soft spot for the Liga Nosh. in Portugal. I actually saw. I didn't see Ben. We 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 went across to Lisbon um co- to coincide with a weekend when they were set to win the league, and I, we'll try and get tickets. But it was. Like most games, when I try to get tickets, I do manage to land them one way or another. But this was like gold dust trying to get these tickets. So we ended up going to watch Belenense kind of in, in the Beline district of Lisbon. But we we watched them against Moria Um We watched them live. But we, we went into one of these kind of wee kiosks, one of these street bars to watch it. And the streets were packed with the red shirts. And it was fantastic. Great city, Lisbon. Um, you know, the football and culture there is fantastic. And also, Portugal won the Eurovision that night, so the streets of Lisbon were bouncing, it was fantastic, Uh, you know, Benfica won the league, I think they were playing Vitoria, they won about 6-0, but it was one of these ones that there was a slight delay in the the landlord's stream, so there was a full street of his, but everyone at different bars, and there would be boys at bars behind you, and boys kind of the street over, would start celebrating, there's obviously been another goal, and it was like 6-0, I think it finished, But so I've got a real soft spot for Portuguese football, and a kind of soft spot for Benfica as well. Fantastic club. Really rich history of bringing through brilliant young players. And you've seen it there, Ruben Dias or Carlos Vinicius now, uh, uh, Spurs. You know, so many brilliant players. And there are two players in that Benfica team that I'm pretty sure will start uh, at least one of the games, if not both games, against Rangers. Uh, Darwin Nunez, uh, the Uruguayan forward, and Luca Valschmidt, German forward to the signed from... Freiburg in the Bundesliga the two of them have been playing up front together and Harry Seferovic who's had what like 70 caps for the Swiss national team he's been an excellent deputy to bring off the bench they play the two, Val Schmidt and Nunez up front and it's like, not as so much a little and large combination but it's this big bulky striker in Nunez who also has a fantastic touch and is very technical, scored an excellent goal actually against Benfica, sorry Bo- Boa Vista rather scored an excellent goal for Benfica against Boavista the other night, but it got ruled out for offside, uh, very marginal offside. He has really set in the head. That, like, Barcelona are allegedly already interested in him, and there's talk that Darwin Nunez might become uh, you know, Benfica's record sale, even at this early stage. He only signed recently from Almeria in the second division in Spain, and he scored, obviously, um, he scored four goals, three or four goals already in Europa League, scored that hat-trick um, away at... Sparta Prague. And the two of them, I think, will start together. Um and I think that's gonna be a real test of this. Up until now, resolute Rangers defence. Benfica tends to play a kinda a four-one, three-two, if you like. Uh the boy Gabriel kinda sits in front of the back four. Um Nicholas Otamendi and Jan Vertongen started for Benfica at centre half the other night. So they do have pedigree, they do have big names in the team. They spent a lot over the summer. Um, which is quite off-brand as far as Benfica are concerned. You know, they're mostly associated with you know buying cheap little players and then developing them and selling them on for a huge fee, a bit like Monaco did for a few years ago. But it was presidential elections. Luis Felipe Vieira was fairly um, worried, I think it's fair to say, that he might lose his presidency with the vote at the end of October there. So he really uh, whipped out the chequebook, spent about 88 million quid, I think, in total over the summer, um, and he, he was re-elected. So that tactic worked for him and what you now have is a Benfica side that had won seven games in the bounce until that game against Boavista Vista um, the other night they look very good they look quite slick going forward I've mentioned Nunez and Valschmidt but you might remember Adel Terat who quite often features the boy Pizzi as well you know quite a seasoned veteran now you could say it Benfica um, and Everton Kebolinha who I think they signed from Gremio I'm pretty sure Pedrinho came in from Corinthians and um, a lot of exciting players going forward. Um, but there are two areas where I think Rangers could perhaps get some joy. And that's in the wider areas. Because, as I said, this 4-1-3-2 formation is fairly attacking. Um, and it can maybe sometimes leave the 2 fullbacks exposed. The 2 fullbacks usually are Alex Grimaldo, who, of course, came through, I'm pretty sure, at Barcelona. On the other side, it's Andre Almeida, the, the, the veteran captain. They both missed the game against Boavista, and Boavista Vista won 3-0. Boavista had been wingless until then, but when I was watching the highlights, there seemed to be a lot of joy down the wings for Boavista. Vista. So I'm thinking that perhaps, well, I'm pretty sure Almeida will be out for the two games. I think he's done his cruciates. Grimaldo is carrying an ankle knock, so he's touching goal whether he makes one, if not both of them. But that's an area where Rangers can get some joy. So I'm quite interested to see how Steven Gerrard exploits those two weaknesses, I think we're in for two fantastic games in all honesty I think you can look at Benfica's run prior to that game with Boavista and be slightly intimidated as a Rangers fan but the teams who were playing were all fairly lowly teams who were struggling for form they hadn't played any of the big hitters so to speak, so it'll be interesting they also have Braga in between the games with Rangers, they have that game against Braga on Sunday, Braga are sitting third in the table at the moment I'm sure, Sporting Lisbon are actually ahead of Benfica now and That's quite something. Obviously, the two rivals, Sporting Lisbon, have gone without a league win for about 15, 16, maybe even 17 years in Portugal. And there's a wee bit of pressure now on Jorge Jesus, who, of course, came in over the summer as part of Luis Felipe Vieira's tactics to try and get re-elected. They brought Jesus back, brought him across from Brazil. He'd been at Flamenco, won the Libertadores for them, um, guided them to the Club World Cup final. So they brought Jesus back in, spent a lot of money. There's a lot more pressure here on Benfica, to do well in this game than I think there is on Rangers so that coupled with I suppose tripled with the lack of first choice full backs and the fact that they've got this huge game against Braga coming up perhaps gives Rangers a bit more of a chance here than they would have had maybe say a couple of weeks ago is my opinion Toph I know I've rambled on there but uh, I thought it was important to give a full uh, assessment of Rangers chances
0: Uh, It'll be music to my ears when I see Baris and Taverna putting balls in the box for Rangers to win the game anyway
2: I mean, I, I could set up the boy at left-back who came in, Nuno Tavares, is only 20. It's like a conveyor belt of talent at Benfica. Nuno Tavares came in and I think, um, not so much as inexperienced, but he did look a wee bit shaky against Bovista, but he's had maybe um, a wee bit more time now to ease himself into the team. So he might play a blinder, but all I'm saying is, on paper, it looks like a good position for Rangers, or a better position now than two or three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things, but I know you said they get beat 3-0 at the weekend there eh, against Boavista. but honestly I could not tell you what Boavista player, but... Well,
2: I could, uh, Angel, Go- <laughs> Angel, Angel Gomez, remember him from Manchester United, didn't quite work out. Is so that where he ended up? Yeah, and he's I played very... No, Angel Gomez is at Boavista, um, playing very well, and uh, yeah, I know Boavista are down the wrong end of the table, but he's showing that perhaps Man United were wrong to uh, let him Go I know there's a big golfing class between the league and North and the Premier League, but he's he's doing well and he played very well against Benfica the other night. But anyway, back on to Topic. Sorry, I've to digressed there, Toph.
0: Yeah, I just, obviously you said they won seven games and they bounced before that uh, game at the weekend. They'd scored, I think, 15 goals in the league in five games, and they've scored seven goals in two games in Europe, so they're absolutely putting goals in for everywhere. That Nunes boy you were talking about, I think, they signed him for £24 million or something, didn't
2: they? Yeah, the
0: Yep. That was is ridiculous amount of money we spent on players for the second league in Spain, but he looks an absolute talent. Yeah, So it will be a tough uh, game for Rangers, both home and away. But you could look at it the same way you looked at the Porto games last year. Um, I think myself and a lot of our Rangers fans were shocked at how well Rangers performed against Porto last year, and same again with Braga. So we've got good records against Portuguese teams, so mm-hmm. I'd be hoping to go into these games not looking to lose any of them anyway. Um, four points would be absolutely brilliant if they could achieve it. But two points as well would be brilliant as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. What you saying, there, Torres?
1: Oh, none. That would be... Any points would be ideal for me. Just for my <laughs> satisfaction.
0: A very, very bitter man over there. We'll move <laughs> on to... <laughs> uh, Your team's result of the weekend anyway, the Scottish Cup semi-final against Aberdeen. Aberdeen obviously went into the game, the team in form, having not lost the last five games. Celtic got into the game in very bad form, we could say. But uh, they won their 35th cup tie in a row. Delighted.
1: Absolutely. Especially with the standard of the performance as well, especially in the first half. We looked back to our kind of usual selves, direct, quick passing and play, and we really gave Aberdeen a tough run of things. Obviously, they had one or two chances within the first two minutes, but after that, chances for Aberdeen were few and far between, and Celtic were just electric going forward. So... Aye, the,
0: the start of the game actually did did start a very good open game. Uh, I think they get two balls out in the box to Cosgrove, but Obviously, he's, he's, they've been fit and they've been playing, so maybe I informed Costco mm-hmm. go they got something to end it. But aye, the, the start of the game looked really good, and Celtic looked really good as well in the first half. And that's right, just to oh, go fucking hell.
1: Aye, uh, filth. Utter Abs- filth.
0: Um, a lot of people were talking about on Twitter Tom Rogic back in the team. How mm-hmm. do you think his performance was? He was probably a standout.
1: Yeah, the man's an absolute wizard. I don't <laughs> what A pinball wizard, baby! And I genuinely can't believe that he was nearly off in the summer. I've I've always liked him, but the last two seasons especially, he's been very unlucky with injuries, and I don't think he's been full with that, but since he's came back into the squad, he's been electric. I think he's said about three or four assists in the last two games, is it? He had definitely two against Aberdeen. It's uh, obvious four
0: assists. I've seen him. You get the cross in for the Illinois oh, you know, goal and he touched it for oh. Christie's goal. I mean, uh, the assist that, for Christie's goal, I could have done that because Christie don't know to work for it. Uh, so I wouldn't really give him too much credit over that one. But that ball in for Illinois you know, was... Uh,
1: I, I, I hate I to say it, he, an absolute delight. I don't know how he dug that one out because I genuinely didn't think he had the pace to catch a ball, never mind whipping a ball like that. But he's some player and I think... If he's in
2: the team, Celtic Carroll is going to create chances. If he's in the team and in the mood, to be honest, I think sometimes when I watch Roglic, I think he does sometimes look as if he isn't entirely interested. And I don't think that is a fair reflection of whether he's interested or not. But because his style of play, his style of running, does at times look as if he's sauntering a bit. You can sometimes question... His application, but I totally agree with what the two of you have said. There, he's, he's really um, made a positive contribution, a positive impact since Lennon's brought him back into the setup. And yeah, we'll see what he can do. Maybe in these uh, these European games as well, he can help Celtic get some decent results on the board again. But he's a luxury player, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a- yeah. definitely. He is a luxury player. Jordan Jones is not a luxury player. Jordan Jones is just shite. <laughs>
0: what's <laughs> <laughs> your headline Rogic Luxury Jones Shite
1: right, I, a um, very very good performance from Celtic I think we're tired in the second half and kind of let Aberdeen get a bit of a foothold back in the game but again a clean sheet and a 2-0 victory in a cup semi-final you can't really ask for more than that no that that clean sheet's
0: massive, I think, for something to build on. Obviously, we've seen Rangers doing so well this season, just grinding out results, clean sheet after clean sheet. And I think if Celtic have any hopes of retaining this title this season, then it's something they're going to need to start building on as well.
1: 100%. And in... the near-beaten, what a player. The Israeli Berezi, what a man. <laughs> hey, every time duffy get the ball at his feet, I tend to shake myself, but Never when near Beaton's got it at his feet. What a player.
0: Now, how did you think Duffy was at the weekend as well?
1: I thought he was good. He was he actually stuck to what he's good at, which is heeding the ball and no thinking about passing with his feet. he had one point where I genuinely thought he was Cross Iron, he went charging up the park and passed it straight to an Aberdeen player. But after <laughs> that he he reined it in and done his job defensively, and if he keeps that up, I think he could turn his fortunes round.
0: I was a wee bit uh, disappointed with Aberdeen, to be honest. As much as Celtic played well, I thought Aberdeen would be confident after the performance against Celtic the week before. Uh, I thought all oh, the big players like Cosgrove. I know he's he's just back in, but he didn't. He looked off the boil. Um, Hedges, who have been. I've I've liked this season. I thought he's a brilliant player. Um he just didn't really have any end product. Lewis Ferguson in the middle of the park didn't really create much. I was a wee bit disappointed with Aberdeen but full credit to Celtic, they were definitely the better team anyway. Eh? Yeah. And moving on to who Celtic will play in the final. Hearts beat Hibbs, uh, had took them to extra time to do it. Did uh, anyone watch this game?
2: I didn't manage to actually watch the game, but I did watch the extended highlights back in the last in memory, or not memory of the game, but the one thing that stood out to me was how utterly inept Willie Colm is as a referee. He'd obviously just come off the back of an absolute howler for the Bayer Leverkusen. I don't know if a few boys have seen it, but that red card he gives to uh, Beller Abbey uh, Leverkusen, quite rightly, the, the entirety of German football was up in arms, uh, laughing probably at Scottish football collectively. And we, Willie, did not do himself any favours with his refereeing display uh, in the the Hearts-Hibs game. Why can we not get referees who can do the job properly? Why are we consistently promoting referees who are not good enough? Willie Collum has been utterly dreadful for how long now? How many games have we watched Willie Collum be the centre of attention. A referee should not be the centre of attention. I say it all the time, the best refereeing performances are the ones where you barely notice there's even a referee there. Willie Collum. call him? It's as if he has to be the centre of attention. I'm trying not to rant, and I am now ranting, but he has single-handedly played a key role in deciding how that game pans out. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but... He misses a, a blatant one. And the boy, Newell, he's taking a dive uh, in the North Sea, to be honest, because that is an absolutely outrageous bit of uh, um, play there to, to go down like that. And Willie Collum buys it. Everything about his display I mean, you know, I've heard a few people saying that over the game generally it was just baffling um, in the middle. But it's a shame because that game should have been about the two teams. It should have been about an Edinburgh Derby behind closed doors, which is a rarity. It should have been about who it makes it through to the Scottish Cup final. And it wasn't. It was about, for me, we Willie Collum and his utterly embarrassing display as the referee. Aye,
1: to be honest, that
2: doesn't even surprise me. Willie Collum is a hopeless referee. And I don't think that will ever change. Mm-hmm. And I'm Lee sure... I'm, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. That's the thing, right? So that's the thing with football. You have to like separate the person from the referee or the person from the player, I think at times. And I'm sure Billy Colm's a lovely guy. And none of this that I'm saying is, is a personal um, a personal thing. It's basically just about how really poor and off the boil he was. And it annoys me when referees are like that because I can maybe like excuse a wee mistake here and there, but when the mistakes are so frequent and so decisive in big games we really do have to be talking about it because if we don't talk about it and if we don't hold referees to account, then where does the motivation come from for the referees to improve? And we have good referees, I think, in Scotland. Not good referees, but there is a good system there of bringing through the young refs. I know a few of my pals are going through the refereeing system and they're all fantastic guys. But there needs to be more accountability there because the minute a manager opens his mouth with justified... And well-founded criticism of a referee—you could even say constructive criticism—that um, the, the, manager is then dragged through the mud. He's then, you know, fined. He's given touchline bans. That's not right. That is an unaccountable culture. We need to change this. There needs to be more done to improve the quality of refereeing at the top level in Scotland. And I'm not saying that we need to make it open season for managers to slate referees week in, week out. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is there needs to be more responsiveness and referees need to be more receptive to listening to feedback, listening to constructive criticism, taking that on board. Because obviously they know the rules better than the managers. I'm not saying that they, they don't. But th- there is so many. there are so many mistakes being made that it's just like, Maybe there needs to be a bit more of a dialogue here rather than just shutting down managers and players and, you know, the likes of Michael Stewart or whatever when there is the slightest ounce of criticism.
0: So just going back to the game...
2: Sorry Anyway Anyway!
1: Anyway,
0: Willie Gold's an absolute wank. But uh, moving on. Uh, both teams actually thought played pretty well. thought it was a pretty mm-hmm. good game, just watching the highlights. But... Um, thought it was a lot of chances. I thought Hearts didn't look like a team in the Championship. thought it looked really even. It was a good Edinburgh derby. I thought kind of standouts were Craig Gordon and goal, but that, I wouldn't say that's because Habs were firing shots in left, right and centre. I just thought the same as he was making showed his class. Big uh, that Craig Wigton as well. That was a player He was a player that was at Dundee, I think, for years. Mm. I couldn't even tell you how many appearances or goals he's had, but I thought he was murdered at Dundee. Yeah. And he scored five goals in his last four games for Hearts. So he looks like the step down has helped him massively. So I think yeah. he might be one to watch. Um thought it was a good couple of chances either end. Liam Boyce missed a sitter. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of the actual penalty decisions? Because we're having a go at uh, Willie Colm there. Do you think the two penalties that were given in extra time, do you think they were both penalties? No.
1: <laughs> Plainly no. <laughs> Neither. I, I... I genuinely think that the, the like Hibs got others first, didn't they? Yep. Uh, yeah. Hibs got first. Obviously, and then <laughs> and then obviously Harts get the one. Was it? I think it was like only a couple of minutes after. Even after that, but I genuinely think it was just him evening up the score because I think he realised he made the arse of it for the first mm. penalty. But again, you really don't know what's going on in Willie head
2: it's probably two two wee kind of chimpanzees with syllables clapping uh, every so often saying penalty to Rangers. No, I'm kidding on top, that was a cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think either. Well, I think the one that didn't get given was uh, uh, Halkett on, was it Doidge maybe? I think that was Boy, a penalty. I think it
0: was. Do- uh, yeah. it shoves him over. That was just before
2: the penalty got uh, given. Uh, that,
0: I, th- I thought that was a penalty as well, to be honest. Yep. Halkett okay. got away with that one. I thought it was pretty even myself. I thought a draw was fair. Do you think Hearts deserved to go through? Or do you think it was just a matter of the penalties kind of decided the game?
2: I think, yeah, probably the the penalties were ultimately decisive. But I I just think the whole game was set up for Hearts to win this one, actually. Um, We've seen this pattern of teams who have had a break of sorts actually come back and do well. We saw Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, and then more recently Motherwell benefit from a Covid enforced break. Um, and I wonder if you know Hearts had more time to prepare for this one. This was so much, it was the siege mentality was already there. Robbie Nielsen didn't need to do anything to create that siege mentality. I mean, the way they've been treated by Scottish football, I think, is awful. I mean, I have no time for Hearts generally, but. They have been treated awfully and I am really happy actually that they've made it to the Scottish Cup final because they have come out with the performance and they have stuck two fingers up at Scottish football and they've said, you know what, get it up, ease. we're through to the Cup final here. This was our moment and we're ready now to take on Celtic and I wouldn't write them off too quickly in terms of that Cup final because they have the grip, the bit rather, between their teeth and they're really focused on getting a result to kind of show everyone that yeah can, you can you can kick us but uh, we, we'll get back up kind of that song get knocked down get back up again well Craig Wicton and his his pals at Tyne Castle have done exactly that with their performance on Saturday
0: so I was actually going to say last week before we came on that uh, Hibs have now beat Hearts at Hamden
2: mm.
1: but
0: then just before I came on I realized that they'd only played each other twice so I decided not to mention it <laughs> that's 3 out of 3 now for Hearts at Hamden against Hibs That's quite a good record
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Torres with Hearts. Do you think Hearts would be a comfortable final for you, or
1: no? You think? I think comfortable is a bit disrespectful to Hearts. I think whenever we play Hearts, we do tend to give us a game. But they always seem to be up for it, and they always do seem to show up against us. So I expect a battle, especially if Andy Hallie's in the centre of the pack. I'm sure he'll fire, he'll fire himself up for this game among the likes of Stephen A-Smith and that. So I'd expect a tough game, but looking at the two teams, you'd, on paper anyway, Celtic have got the far superior team, but I think Hearts have got a Premiership team that are obviously stuck down in the Championship, unfortunately.
0: Do you think, uh, just going back to, I mentioned Craig Gordon had a really good game. He's been getting a lot of plaudits and he's just wanking themselves back mm-hmm. into the Scotland squad tonight. Mm-hmm. Do you think, looking at barca's form and the money Celtic spent, do you think that they could have just kept Craig Gordon and Scott Bain, or do you still think that they should have went out and signed somebody?
1: See, I think the ideal scenario in the summer was, where we would they get Fraser Foster? I think that's the yeah, deal and end all. And obviously, Scott Bain's happy to be, basically, the sub-goalie, and he's a very good sub-goalie at that. I think with Craig Gordon at the age he is, he wants to be playing for his last few years. So I can completely understand why Celtic didn't take bold of him because they couldn't probably guarantee him the game time. Because obviously they were going to get a, a keeper in to probably take the number one jersey, but it's no transpired that way so far. So I don't really blame Celtic or Craig Gordon for going to hearts. That's nah, probably fair enough. Um, moving on
0: to the big game on Sunday, Comanuk now Rangers one. That's uh, the place that Rangers have struggled in the last couple of years, as we mentioned last week. But Rangers form this season just continued with another clean sheet. Ali, how did you, how did you find this game? Who was your standouts for both teams?
2: Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't watch this one because I'm kind of fed up with. I, I, it makes me really sad watching Kelly. Well, that sounds quite melodramatic. But it makes me really sad. Well, it does. It makes me really sad watching Kelly and not being at the games. It's kind of just another reminder that, of this kind of horrible global situation that we're all in. And I, I know it's like oh, football doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it was one of the things that kept me going at the weekends. And see, watching the games, I can watch any other team. Um, even teams whose stadiums I've been to quite often I can watch Strasbourg even though I used to always go there I don't feel the same it's obviously still relatively nostalgic but it's not a sadness that I now have when I watch Kilmarnock I know that might sound pathetic but I I just wasn't enjoying watching home games so in all honesty I didn't watch it I wasn't surprised to see that Rangers had scored and that Rangers had been given a penalty I'm not not saying that as a slight but um, it does happen fairly often because Rangers do get into positions where they can win penalties. I'm not saying that there's a, you know, conspiracy to far from it. But um, at at the end of the day, most teams will probably lose to Rangers this season. Most teams will probably lose by more than one goal to nil against Rangers this season. I don't think it's cause for concern. I think, you know, that Brophy chance towards the end, which McGregor saves on another day, that maybe goes in and you walk away from it with a fantastic point against a team who are looking in prime shape to go on and win the league. So I, I think... Again, credit to Gerard. credit to Rangers, credit to the Rangers' defence, and there's this resilience there that has previously been lacking, and you need resilience to come to Rugby Park and get a win. You know, Kilmarnock is up there, I think, with, with Hibs away and maybe even Aberdeen away for the old firm, certainly in terms of difficult away days, um, and Rangers have come down to East Ayrshire, they've picked up all three points, and I think I, I just need to, to say well done to them. It, it, makes, it, it does make me sad, and Kelly don't win, uh, but you know Rangers are, are playing well and it's, it's just one of these ones you have to accept.
0: I, I think um, these are the games that Rangers need to avoid dropping points to. I think they've, they've done well this season, going away to Aberdeen, Celtic, Kamarnock, taking three points each game there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two draws against Livingston and Hibs, obviously, but I think Rangers away from this season against the, the other top teams have improved massively. Cubs, uh, come on, sorry, he's obviously been a, a bit of a bogey fixture as we ma- uh, mentioned last week. So I think this kind of game, more so than the Celtic game, gives me the confidence that Rangers have a real chance of fifty-five this year.
2: I think that's fair enough to to have that confidence. Obviously, you know you're quite a cautious individual, tough. You won't get too far ahead of yourself. But I think those ten points on those four really challenging uh, away games are. Definitely cause for optimism at Highbrooks.
0: I think I mentioned last week as well, like, don't have the start off toward my head, but I, I mentioned Rangers keep scoring goals in like the first 20 odd minutes of games. And I know it was a penalty, but like, just the pressure we're putting on teams like early on getting the goal and then just seeing out games, just that second to none. I think, uh, I think that's a massive thing for us this season, just seeing out games like pausing and the Command, two games that were terrible to watch, but. 1-0 both of them so hopefully it continues Torres Rangers are 9 points clear Celtic do have 2 games in hand does that mentally put any damper on your season?
1: Not in my eyes anyway obviously you'd rather have the points but given the circumstances of why the games were postponed and what obviously we get Celtic's home game to St Mirren was put back, obviously, because of the Cup semi at the weekend, and the other ones, the Aberdeen game at home, which was postponed due to the early season COVID scandal. So, to be honest, it's two games, and because they're at home, obviously, Aberdeen will be the tougher of the two, more than likely, but you you can only like, expect six points from those two, on paper anyway, so... And then in that puts you three points behind with three old terms to play. Yeah, and Celtic have been playing really bad badly up until now. So you can't really complain about that. In my eyes, anyway. You still confident then? i know, it's only starting November. Leagues aren't giving out in November and they aren't giving out in January either. It's we've seen in the past, so it's not over until May, so I don't see a cause for concern as of yet.
0: Right, we'll move on to the Livingston Motherwell game since we kinda of get a headline at of Torres. Uh a player we <laughs> mentioned last week uh was Tony Watt. He goes on the score sheet again. I don't know if any of you've seen the highlights of this game, but I thought Motherwell were very efficient. Uh I can't remember literally the first goal but Marco had a free kick, Tony Watt following in. Uh, I thought were easily the better team, pretty comfortable win for them. Good result against London, in Definitely. Did you see uh, the, the J. Emmanuel Thomas effort for the half, line, thinking it was Kamar Roof?
2: Uh, <laughs> Kamar, Kamar Roof walked, so J. Emmanuel Thomas could trip. Guys, <laughs> they
1: <laughs> Tony Macaroni Arenas, so obviously a very difficult place to go due to the surface. So getting at any result there is a very good one. So can only commend Motherwell for. It.
0: Who do you think we'll finish higher up the table this season, Ali Motherwell or Kelly?
2: I would imagine Motherwell would finish above us because Stephen Robinson is obviously more settled there. He's longer in the dugout, more experienced than Alex Dyer, and probably that will just about be enough to see them finish above us. I think we'll be fairly tight, maybe five or six points in it come the split. Um, but I would imagine that Motherwell, based on recent form, I, i.e. last season, um, would probably be probably more likely to, to finish higher up than Kilmarnock.
0: And uh, another team pushing for the top six place is Dundee United. They won 2-1 against Ross County. Did you see the the penalty Ian Vigors gave away?
1: I didn't. I, I've not seen that game's highlights yet.
0: Oh, well, I absolutely recommend anyone who's listening to go and watch Ian Vigors. He catches the ball behind his back and then he starts running the as if he didn't know where the ball was. Like <laughs> absolute howler.
1: Luke
0: <laughs> Evans and Alec, they do a howler of the weekend on Super Scoreboard, so if we were to start doing that, that is my howler of the weekend. Ian Vigors catching the ball and giving away a penalty.
2: That, <laughs> that sounds really cute. I'll need to go and give that a watch after we've finished recording.
0: I thought Dundee United were, were pretty good, actually. We've been, we've been pretty critical of Dundee United last couple of weeks going forward. But they've obviously, they've got two clean sheets, but I thought they were quite positive. Ian hawks looked at a good uh, player again at the weekend, and Nicky Clark on the score sheet, down as a double, but when you watch the highlights, you'll see that it's Mark Reynolds that actually takes the shot and I'm failing to see how it hits off a Nicky Clark. Maybe it hits off his Bobby or something like that, but
2: <laughs> I've not actually seen that one yet. Um, no, I think, you know, we should give credit where credit's due to Dundee United, but honestly, it is really worrying uh, at the moment as far as Ross County are concerned. They just look so dejected and had it not been for that Bizarre and incongruous start, you know, racing out the starting blocks, they would be, they ought, they, they're they in trouble in the moment, but they would be in even greater danger had that start not been as positive. Uh, and it, the alarm bells are there. I think the squad itself is fairly meh, I think is the right word for it. I don't think it's terribly inspiring. The coaching set up there, again, I'm still not entirely sure that. uh that Kettlewell has has the requisite experience there to to take his team through a really um, horrible relegation fight so we'll see how it goes I think Ross County will probably be there or thereabouts when it comes to the relegation places come the end of the season if we indeed do get to the end of the season
0: Some breaking news fees as well Dunbarton one Clyde nil. Adam Frizzle 1-0 Ex-Kelly boy, ex-Kelly boy. It
2: was quite funny. His big brother actually was one of Jordan Jones' biggest uh, defenders when he left Kilmarnock to sign for Rangers because the two of them were obviously fairly pally through Frizell. But Frizell's big brother—he um, plays junior, doesn't he? Yeah, decent player to be fair. Um, but he got really defensive of Jones and on the the fans' forums at Kilmarnock, there was somebody on who made an account the day of Jones deciding to sign the pre-contract with Rangers and tweeting out, you know, we are the people and all that nonsense. Um, And there was this account... Nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, so Jones tweets all that out, signs the pre-contract, and this random poster appears, no new, no posts up until now, and does this absolute uh, paragraph, shall we call it, defending jordan jones the punctuation's awful the spelling's way off and it's just there's no cohesion to this message and um, someone just replied saying we do know you you do know that people can see your emails and i think the suggestion was that it was uh big brother who'd uh, come on and post all this it's not been proven it was again just allegations but there you go there's a wee uh twist for you We've heard about the boy Frazelle scoring for Dumbarton there, but anyway, I've digressed. Sorry, I just thought that was quite a wee funny story.
0: Now, all the Dumbarton fans will be, be happy to hear it,
2: they'll be dancing in the streets of Dumbarton.
0: And the other important news of tonight, anyway, was the Scotland squad was obviously announced for mm-hmm. the games against Serbia, Slovakia back Israel. So, I don't know if you've got the squad open in front of you, but
2: I do, yeah.
0: Who in the squad? Do you think doesn't merit a place, and do you think there's
2: anybody that's not in the squad that does merit a place? I'd say Grant Hanley's a wee bit of a surprise inclusion. I've not watched. <laughs> I must admit, I've not watched must of Norwich City this season, so maybe he's been playing well. There's just there's too much football in there now to keep up with every single league and every single team. So I suppose that's why Steve Clark would be sending out his scouts, and they must have decided that it was worth bringing in maybe for experience and anything else. But I, I've never, I've never really been too convinced, particularly in recent years with Grant Hanley um, the other one obviously Grant Hanley's an inclusion that kind of surprises me in terms of exclusions I think the boy Nesbitt obviously at Hibs uh, you would maybe have expected to see there and maybe in place of Shankland but I suppose Clark's thinking that Shankland's been part of the setups that have worked in recent international breaks and he's not wanting to change too much there so I can I can understand that but I would maybe quite like to have seen the boy Nesbitt in there as, as an option
1: Torres, what about yourself? I have to agree, Grant Hanley is, would probably stand out for me just, think he's an absolute brutal player in all honesty, and probably followed by the likes of either Ollie McBurney or Ollie Buck when you've got the likes of Nesbitt knocking on the door in really good form, and Ollie Buck and McBurney, kind of seem to kick your own arse right now never mind Can score a goal so that's probably the standouts for me obviously big big news with Lee Griffiths being back in the team but to be honest he's a proven goal scorer and to be honest I'd I'd argue he's Scotland's best striker
2: yeah when he's focused on the game yeah when he's focused on the game and on his, his football yep
0: as much as I hate Lee Griffiths as an asset for Scotland um, especially off the bench if he's not fit it's a different option for them. I'd agree with what you, you were both saying I think you could pick a handful of players in that Scotland team that uh, Nesbitt has deserved of a place more than. Ollie Buck, Callum Patterson Oliver Burnley probably Lauren Shankland as well. Uh, I think Nesbitt's the top goal scorer in the league out with Lewis Ferguson who scored about six penalties. So I find it hard that Clark's not brought in Kevin Nisbet. And especially the fact that Hibs usually play two up front in whatever formation. They play a 3 five, 2 play a four four two. I think Dykes and Nisbet would be very similar to Doidge and Nisbet. And I think that that would be a good system for Scotland to play in. So I'm very surprised that he's not involved him. Uh, Grant yeah. Hanley as well. Once a donkey, always a donkey. <laughs> How he won the Championship with that Norwich team still puzzles me he was absolutely terrible any time I've seen him I don't believe now that he's pulled some good bit of form and deserved to be back in the fold because Scotland before the break even though they were terrible at watch they so were keeping clean sheets they so were looking good defensively so uh, I don't see why
2: he's back in the team
0: I don't know if any he's watched the the Redden versus Coventry game last week did you?
2: I did not, sorry, I must have, must have missed that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm surprised I was watching it myself, to be honest, but there was a boy playing centre-back for Coventry, Dominic Heim. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Coventry played three at the back, and he's a Scottish player, 24 years old or something, and uh, he got promoted from League One with Coventry last season, uh, playing centre-half. I thought he looked like a good player. I, thought, I think that might be someone that you might see in a year or two develop into the Scotland team especially if they're going to continue playing three at the back, because Scotland defensive options, you're looking at Grant Hamlin, the team you've said are not the best, so I think he might be one to watch out for.
2: As well, down at Coventry, you've got the boy Michael Rose, who of course started at Aberdeen and was at A United for a few years, and I know that um, you know a few top flight teams in Scotland were looking at him before he did move down to Coventry. I'm not saying that he's at the, the level required for the national team, but I've seen a few... Coventry fans say that the likes of the boy Rose in there and, and Haim, as you've mentioned, could potentially be options it's, it, I'm sure Clark will, will have put the feelers out and will have run the, the rule over them and we'll be considering them certainly for future squads I would think
0: And uh, we'll just give a wee rough build-up for the games against Serbia Do you think Scotland have got it in them?
2: I, I think it depends on how Serbia line up. If Serbia go with the back three that they, they do tend to go with uh, and in that back three they include Stefan Mitrovic and Alexandra Kolarov two ageing players two players who really hate boys running at them and would probably not like the sight of Ryan Fraser running at them or Ryan Christie or whoever um, I think we have a chance. I think defensively if they start with those two they're there to be got at. Kolarov, I don't know if and he managed to catch the Milan Derby, but Kolarov was playing in a back three there, and it was just run ragged by, and albeit uh, Milan side was better attacking assets than Scotland, but still the signs were that he wasn't comfortable. So I think if Serbia do go with Mitrovic of the Stefan variety, rather than Alexandra variety, if you do go with Stefan Mitrovic and Alex Kolarov in a back three I don't know who the other third player would be in that back line but if those two are in it and I see the starting lineup, and those two are starting and it does look like they're going with the back three again then I'll be quite a bit more confident than I probably am now because I think all told Serbia just have too many options going forward um, there'll be too much for Scotland I know there was talk of Tadic and the boy Juricic at Sasuolo missing the game but that looks like it was just paper talk Tadic was starting for Ajax tonight I think and Juricic I'm pretty sure will probably be fit for the game. They just have so many options and I do worry that that could be too much. And Milinkovic Savic, who, as we saw against Norway, came off the bench, scored two goals. He can single-handedly drag his team to the Euros. So uh, I'm not entirely optimistic, but at the same time, I'm not without hope. I think it will be a tight game uh, and if we do sneak it, it will be a 1-0 Steve Clarke special.
0: Uh, obviously the last games we were keeping clean sheets and stuff like that uh, with a kind of back for you of McTorname Gallagher and Considine there was a lot of talk about Big Boogie Boogie about his performances uh, Kieran Tierney's back in the squad do you think Kieran Tierney slots in for Considine or do you think Clark will give Considine the go ahead towards
1: it's a difficult one because we were playing relatively well but in the big games you play your big players so I can only really see see Tierney fill in where Considine was filling in for him, in my own
0: opinion. I think Tierney was getting a lot of credits for the game against Man Utd I didn't see it, but apparently had a good game. It's a weird day when you're talking on a podcast about who's going to start, Kieran Tierney or Andrew Considine.
2: I think there's only one way to decide who starts, and it's that we dress them both up in a red dress, put some lipstick on them and see who can dance better to Yes Sir, I can boogie. It'd be good for morale, the morale of the nation in these lockdown times. I think that is what we all need. I think it would be majestic and it would also solve a dilemma as far as Steve Clark is concerned as to who starts in that back three, how long we go up think if we're getting
0: gubbed to like 2 or 3 nil or something like that, Steve Clark, if Cosadine isn't on, just stick him on and a dress red lipstick on and just start doing out
2: a bit in the back. No put one up like, front to, to, to distract them.
0: I imagine the videos of Scotland did beat Serbia button qualified for this. Like I imagine the videos of Considine, surely there would have to be a a, a part two to that video.
2: Oh absolutely There's, even if we don't qualify, I, I think there is well, you think about the, the films that have had a sequel that probably didn't really need a sequel. Uh, uh, Truffles is probably better to speak about that than us. But Andy Considine dancing to yes sir I can boogie is wholeheartedly a video that needs a sequel as far as I'm concerned
0: right so Andrew if you're listening result regardless we want a video part 2 I can boogie and on that note we'll boogie off
2: cheers tough. enjoyed that cheers mate